In today's episode of Bristopia, the tragic delay of Bristol's meat liquor restaurant, the return of Bob Wildlife in a brand new Agni Uncle segment, Bristol's recently appointed poet laureate, and the woman that started a small business hosting strip poker event nights at office Christmas parties. Let's do it. Local interest. City living. Pressure points. Totter down. Parking crisis. Hello, how are you doing? Yeah, good, me too. Well, this is another episode of Bristopia, the local news and current affairs agenda-setting voice of Bristol. We've got a huge episode for you this week because, well, apologies for not putting out an episode last month. I don't know what happened. I mean, someone said there was some kind of recording put out on our feed. I don't know what the hell that was. I think the NSA hacked our phones. But anyway, one thing they got right was that we got our American intern exchange student, Justin Crockler, back. But apparently we went all the way to New York to find him. I mean, you can go back and listen to that last episode if you want, but I can assure you there's some inaccuracies. For a start, we didn't go to New York. We just found him in the stationery cupboard cuddling a stapler, saying that it wasn't his fault and he didn't mean to kill her. But I have no idea what he meant. I didn't feel it prudent to press him further. So, well, either way, we'll hear from him later in the episode. He's been hard at work on his latest documentary where he investigates Bristol's latest events organiser who has started a regular night hosting strip poker parties. Pretty cool. Elsewhere, we meet Bristol's new poet laureate and welcome back animal keeper Bob Wildlife to give us some life lessons in a brand new segment. So, there's lots to get through. Let's get started. News headlines. Upon seeing the success possible by placing inanimate statues of popular Aardman animation characters on a trail around the city, the council has reportedly planned to get in on the action by drawing faces onto the city's post boxes and then auctioning them off one by one. However, they've since ditched these plans when they realised the Royal Mail had already been sold off piece by piece. New sightings have suggested that the so-called Bristol Crocodile has returned. However, the majority of local residents still exhausted from reading about it every day for a month back in 2014 have collectively decided they will not give a shit for anything less than a Floridian manatee. A new website called Bite to Meat has launched in Bristol. It's kind of like Airbnb, but for meals. Hosts can list a meal event on their website and potential diners can pay far less than a restaurant meal to join in. I've tried to road test the website so I could accurately report back to the good people of Bristopia. However, my listing for two slices of toast went unattended. It's a shame. Although when a guy finally did show up for breakfast, I burnt the toast and he gave me a one star rating. Turns out he was black toast intolerant. Stop the fucking... You what, mate? What's this? Jesus. I'm sorry, guys, but it appears that Meat Liquor, the omnivore's wettest dream yet, will not be opening in Bristol anytime soon. London's meat-festiest restaurant was supposed to open a premises in Stokes Croft earlier this year, but building work has caused delays. Come on, guys, I can't take this. There's literally nowhere in Bristol to buy a decent burger, is there? Like, not, like, no, no. I can only think of the, the Weatherspoons. That, that's literally it. Nowhere. Um, anyway, uh, in response to this, there was a full-on protest marching through the streets of the city, uh, or it was planned at least, and some believe numbers could reach far higher than those of the anti-austerity march that also happened this month. Well, the news coverage certainly would have been higher, or existent. Anyway, the whole thing fell apart when someone pointed out that the Weatherspoon's Gourmet Burger menu was actually alright, and that no one would actually die. I mean, everyone will die at some point. But not because of burgers. I mean, some might die because of burgers. Especially if Meat Liquor's burgers are as good as people say they are. In fact, do we even want them here? Fuck off, Meat Liquor. Yeah, you heard me. I had the idea for a butcher slash off license ages ago. Right, I'm too angry to continue now. Let's move on. Wait, do Meat Liquor even do that?
Hello, Bristol City Council. How can I help you? Yeah, hi. Uh, my name's Luke Sargent. Uh, someone's pooed outside of my house, Dove Street in Bristol. I'm sorry, sir. The line seems to be breaking up here. I can't understand what you're saying. There's human excrement outside of my house, Dove Street in Bristol. Please, can you send someone round to clear it up? Yeah, that's what I thought you said. How do you know it's human? Well, I can't think of any other animal that would consider using bus tickets as toilet paper. Oh. Where is it to? I told you. Dove Street in Bristol. No, no, no. Where's the bus ticket to? It might help us catch him. Well, it's a day rider. So there's no chance. Some say that poetry is like a dusky sunset upon the moor of a badger's funnel, while others, no doubt, will say that makes little to zero sense. I'd be inclined to agree, but despite that, as a stalwart of Bristol's cultural ambitions, we've struck a deal with the City Council to showcase its recently appointed Poet Laureate. The Poet Laureate has been assigned a subject that's significant to the day-to-day life of the average Bristolian, and will provide a social commentary through the medium of poetry. The aim is to really engage the city's younger generation. So, in the studio here, I have said Poet Laureate, Tim Goodings. Tim, tell me more about the position. Well, I have recently been appointed the Poet Laureate for roadworks and traffic delays. The Poet Laureate for roadworks and traffic delays? That's right, the Poet Laureate for roadworks and traffic delays. Poet Laureate of roadworks and traffic delays. Just, just trying to take this in. Right, okay, very good. And why does the City Council think we need a Poet Laureate for roadworks and traffic delays? An excellent question, Andy. That's why I asked it. Indeed. Well, uh, Bristol was recently voted the most congested city in the UK, but it has also been voted the happiest place to live in the UK. So rather than stewing over the former negative view of the city, we wish to embrace it. With poetry? With poetry. Okay, so how did you end up getting the job? I saw an advert in the local paper. Uh, It asked for an individual that was interested in language. I speak it, so check. Travel, I have a passport, so... Well, it's, it's expired, so I just have to keep my fingers crossed on that one. Traffic jams, uh, of course. What's not to love? Check. And roadworks. Double check. So, uh, I mean, you know, to you that probably sounds like a sort of depressing soup. Uh, but actually, it's more like a casserole. And that's, you know, also a type of food. So it's, it's like imagery, isn't it? So how does it work? What's your day-to-day like? All right, so I get up about midday. Midday? Yeah, that's when the best traffic is. <laughs> no, it isn't. What about rush hour? Do you ever get annoyed by traffic at midday? Well, no, but that's because... Exactly. Anyway, I turn on the traffic news while I have my breakfast. Lunch. Have I broken my fast yet? Well... Exactly. And then I just kind of spend the afternoon trying to find some traffic. Have you tried doing it in the morning, maybe around 9am? Andy, searching for traffic isn't as simple as going out at certain times of the day. It doesn't work that way. It's not a, a tangible thing. It's abstract and can happen at any minute, anywhere, at a roundabout, in a field, on a boat. It's like searching for an emotion, like nostalgia or something. It's... I mean, you don't get nostalgia up there, it's during the news on the radio, you know, there's no nostalgia station. I think it's called Jack FM. Traffic is an indefinable beauty, you know, so I just go to these places with the worst traffic in Bristol and I just watch. So I guess you could say it's sort of like train spotting, but instead of... Trains have nothing to do with traffic, they're on timetables, it's preordained like a sick game. I'm just trying to make an analogy, you know, like your relationship with traffic is similar to train spotters, where they go and seek out these... Don't patronise me with your fancy words. Trains are a lie, that's the end of it.
Um, okay, so, so what have you learned about traffic or poetry since taking on this position? First thing I learned, uh, which was just, well, in fact, you probably don't know this, uh, but actually a poem doesn't have to rhyme. I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? I mean, the good ones generally do. That's how you know they're good. But still... And the other thing I learned is that uh, if you sit by a busy road, writing in a notepad for a long time, eventually the police will show up. Really? Yeah, apparently one of the drivers phoned them, said I looked like I was planning something. What, like an attack? Yeah, or, or a new roundabout. <laughs> Bit of traffic humour for you there. Right, well, we're beating around the bollard more than enough. Let's hear one of them. One of what? A poem. Oh, right, yes. Uh, of course, I've, I've probably got one somewhere. Hold on. Okay, so imagine this song to the tune of Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire, um, although for legal reasons, don't. Zebra crossings, fallen logs, small cats, giant dogs, dead cyclist in the way, someone check if he's okay, pot, hole, filling in, tarmac resurfacing, high winds, topple bins, what more do I have to say? Rush hour, black ice, why is the road covered in rice? Heavy rain, heavy hail, heavy sleet or snow. Hedgehog entrails, very heavy hay bales, red lorry, yellow lorry, Marilyn Monroe. We didn't stop the trout, you get the idea. Why is Marilyn Monroe in it? Well, she is dead. I mean, if you saw her on the side of the road, I think you'd probably slow down. All right, that's enough. Uh, There's royalties to think of. Oh, no, you can have that for free. No, I mean, that's pretty much just listing traffic terms within the rhyming scheme of that Billy Joel song. I mean, you even mentioned it. Maybe be wary of that kind of thing in future. Well, I told you not to imagine it to the tune of We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel, so I don't really know why you are imagining it to the tune of Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire. Let's move on. Have you got anything else? Uh, Beamers of Buttheads. Right, go ahead. Well, I mean, that's just the title at the moment. It's for the kids. You know, that's, that's what they watch, isn't it? How about this? Uh, Sonic the Middle Lane Hog. Yeah? Video games. I mean, it's a little dated, reference-wise. Uh, am I to presume that one's currently unwritten too? Well, it's, it's in a pile with Dodger Badger. Right. The Cycle Path Test. Yep. Manhole Lover. Uh, Green Means Goat. That one's about the dangers of driving around rural areas. Uh, speed Camera. That one's about taking drugs while driving. Okay, I think we get the picture. Three Point Turd. Very good. That was about road rage. So I have a question. The council's paying you for this. Is that a question? Sorry, is the council paying you for this? I don't do it for the money. But you are actually doing it for money? Despite the money. It's a necessary evil. You can see the problem I have here. You claim to be the poet laureate for traffic delays and roadworks, but you're using taxpayers' money to sit on your sleepy little butt coming up with wildly referentially outdated traffic puns. I mean, you can see how it looks. What, what it does to the credibility of this celebrated podcast, right? Celebrated? Well, it broke the iTunes Top 100 a few episodes ago. Ah, congratulations. Thank you. Well, actually, I, I probably should have said this at the start, but um, as of this morning, I'm no longer Bristol's Poet Laureate for roadworks and traffic delays, so I think you're probably on safe ground. <laughs> what? Then why are you here? What happened? There was a meeting this morning uh, between myself, my bosses, and all of Bristol's other Poet Laureates. There are others? Of course. It'd be weird to only have a poet laureate for traffic delays and roadworks. Didn't you think they'd have something a little more broad? Okay, well, what are the others? Well, there's the poet laureate for Tesco Expresses across Greater Bristol and the surrounding areas. Okay. Poet laureate for the Falafel King and Crepe Van Collective of the inner Bristol Harbourside area. Mm-hmm. Poet laureate for street-based charity fundraisers across Park Street and the Clifton Triangle. I don't like that guy. Right, no, I understand. Anyway, they um they fired me because I was late for a meeting. How come? Bad traffic. Right, of course. Was that another bit of traffic humour? No, I've lost my job. Compassion. That will help you hit the iTunes top 50. Well, have you written a poem about it? Not everything's a fucking poem, alright? Besides, I'm not even getting paid for it now, so what's the point? I thought you said you weren't doing it for the money. Who are you? Bristol's Poet Laureate for what I said. Okay, well, I feel like we've given up all this time on a lengthy introduction, so we may as well bring you back next episode. So, same time next month? Yeah, alright then.
I'll see if I can get some freelance work from First Bus in the meantime. I thought you weren't interested in things that ran on a schedule. I don't think anyone would accuse First Bus of running to a schedule. <laughs> That's fresh. <laughs> Now, you may remember a couple of episodes back, I took a rare trip out of the studio and into the field, or more specifically, a farm, which did have a field. Anyway, this was where I met a man called Bob Wildlife, an animal keeper with a clear misunderstanding of the fundamentals of animal behaviour. However, that story did prove surprisingly popular, so we did what any professional media organisation would do and gave him his own Agony Uncle segment. Here it is, Bob Wildlife. Hello there, Bob Wildlife here, for the first in a series of broadcasts called Bob's Your Uncle. That's right, just relax and pretend I'm your uncle. And if you need any help in your life, then I'm your man. Your uncle, brother to your mother or father, and source of insights, observations and bloody good advice. So send me your queries on the Bristopia Facebook page. Maybe they're about animals, or perhaps they're about your erectile dysfunction. It's all the same to me. So first off, I've got a message here from a Suzanne in Henleys. Dear Bob, I am a huge fan of your work and would love to one day meet you. In fact, I talk about you so much that my husband jokes that I'd rather be married to you than to him. She hasn't put her age here. I always feed the birds in my garden. You can't tell from the voice to get an actress to do it. Uh, Tessa, she's massive. And recently, I've noticed that a grey squirrel has been doing acrobatics right up high in the oak tree. I wondered if you had any advice on how I might tempt him down into the garden so we can get a closer look. Lots of love, Suzanne. You put three kisses. A circle around the middle one, which I believe implies she'd like to give me a hug to go with them. Eddie stuff. Well, Suzanne, this is a question I get asked a lot. Grey squirrels are one of the UK's most visible mammals, whether they're seen in the middle of a forest or on a trading estate beside a canal. I would suggest that the best way in which to encourage them to ground would be to distribute plenty of sunflower seeds, perhaps with a trail of them leading eventually to the most open point of the garden. At this point, Suzanne, I would advise the use of a .22 pellet gun with a telescopic sight. Aim for the head, but remember to adjust accordingly for any dip in the flight of the pellet. An air gun's often a pretty underpowered weapon, but it does have the advantage of being relatively quiet, which could lead to you being able to pick off a whole family of these unwelcome immigrants from across the pond over the course of a sporting spring. Frankly, it's good to hear from someone with your common sense, Suzanne. The grey squirrel is an aberration. Any progress we can make in their eradication is very welcome. We will prevail. Here's another one from Barbara in Windsor. My neighbour said he saw a pair of great tits in my garden, but I haven't seen any sign of them. What am I doing wrong? (laughs) Great tips. Excellent. I wrote that one. Well, that's almost all I have time for today, but I've got a quick email here from Tim in Totterdown before I go. Hi, Bob. I've been divorced for four years and recently met a lady at work who I seem to have a lot in common with. And that should be with whom I have a lot in common, but carry on, Tim. Or Tessa. I don't know why she does the blokes as well. We've been out for several meals and to see a film, and next week we have arranged to spend the day and evening together. 
I am somewhat concerned as it is a long time since I was physically intimate with a woman and I'm concerned about my performance. Do you have any tips? Well, Tim, uh, I would say this. I've always found that making love to a woman is very much like riding a bike. I uh, hope that's helpful. Bob's your uncle. See you next time. Wait, that's it? That's it. Can you elaborate a little on that last one? Well, uh, like a motorbike. R- really? A motor- Why a motorbike? Oh, I don't know. Um, be- uh, be- because if you start off too fast, then you'll be overwhelmed by the smell of burning rubber. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> Is that enough? Right, Bob's your uncle. So that brings us to our final segment. The good news is that our American intern exchange student, Justin Crockler, is back at the reins of our documentary team after he left us a couple of episodes ago. But that's fine, everything's good now. I mean, if he wasn't already an unpaid intern, I would have docked his pay, but he is, so I've just banned him from using the office microwave for two weeks. So I think he's learnt his lesson. Well, kind of. The lesson was supposed to be that cold soup was rubbish, but the sneaky little f***er only went and brought in gazpacho. Ugh, the perils of high-level management. Anyway, the floor is yours. We used to stay up all night drinking and dancing, and then one evening, he invited me back to his place. He said, Jane, I think it's time we took our relationship to the next level. Oh man, it's heating up in here. I feel like I'm dancing to Nelly inside a light bulb. Right. Uh, But then, well, it didn't stay hot for too long. I panicked, Justin. What if he thought my boobs were weird, or he realised that when I get nervous it makes my armpits smell like an old burrito? So, I left. So tell me what happened. I started a small business. Oh. But not just any small business. A government-assisted, second-mortgage-funded organisation. You may think that starting a small business is all form-filling and handshakes, but there's actually a lot of cocaine, too. Oh, really? No, not really. Just boring old heroin. Come on, we can't keep pretending it's the 80s, can we, anymore? Can't we? Once I stopped reminiscing about the good old days, I actually asked her what her business was. I went into business planning and selling strip poker to the people of Bristol. Oh man, it's like Bristol has an event for everything. Yeah, that's right, because how can anyone have fun if there's not someone telling them how? That's a damn good point, Jane. However, the idea is to have that fun, but in a safe, controlled environment with little to no chance of pictures of your third labia ending up on the internet. More importantly, what have you called your events company? Chips and Bits. Nice. Okay, so I see what Jane's going for here, but why? Why as adults do we need strip poker and all the risks it poses in our lives? Because we're adults. Remember those heady teenage days where we didn't care, when we could do anything, strip poker, spin the bottle, the ice cube game? The what who game? The ice cube game, when you had to pass around an ice cube between your lips and all the water would melt and go everywhere. 
Ugh, gross. But I thought the teenage years were the awkward ones. Incorrect. Snapchat, dick pics, there's no shame there. But once you spend 10 years working in an office, all those birthday cakes add up. Especially when people like Sandra seem Damn to it, think Sandra. that they were born seven times in one year. It's just as hard to feel comfortable with your body then. And why do so many people even have birthdays, Justin? Why can't we all just be born on the same day? Justin, why? The logistics of that would be mind-boggling. Essentially, everyone would have to have sex on the same day and there'd be a whole day where absolutely no one did the washing up. What you're talking about here, Jane, is chaos. Anyway, I thought there must be some way to bring back a a game like strip poker within the everyday adult environment to allow us all to be free and more daring in our lives. It's like a self-help program, but with more genitalia. In the same way that Game of Thrones compares to Dungeons and Dragons? Lady Stark thought it might insult the royal family to see the bastard in their midst. Yeah, that's exactly correct. We're fine-tuned to worry about what other people think think, but there's things we haven't changed. We still wonder what our co-workers look like naked in the same way that we always wondered what Gary from 4B would look like in just his daps. Really, it's all about the facade. The majority of our customers say they come for the poker, not just the stripping, but it's really just the same as guys that say they read Playboy just for the articles. Or the women that watch Magic Mike for the choreography and not just for the chance that Channing Tatum will pop out. Exactly, and who says the world can't be like that? We need ground rules, an environment in which everyone can be comfortable. So now I get it. We need games that reflect the carefree nature of our youth, but that consider adult neuroses and lifestyles. But how? With the Ten Commandments of Strip Poker, participants will be free to exist naturally without having to worry about being laughed at. Okay, go on. Number one, no laughing. Like, at all? No, I mean, if we're playing and I was laughing at your penis. Why are you laughing at my penis? I'm not, it's hyper... Wait, should I be laughing at your penis? I don't know. Is there something wrong with your penis? I don't know. Well, maybe we should find out. And that's the kind of service you're providing? No, Justin. I just mean, well, maybe you shouldn't play for now. It's absolutely fine. We don't pressure anyone into anything they don't want to do. That's commandment number two. Commandment number three... Finally, commandment number 10, and this is the key one. Everyone involved must designate their relationship status and anyone using nudity as a seduction tool will be banned. We're not homewreckers. And who is this aimed at? Oh, everyone. Couples, groups of friends. We're even open to office Christmas parties. Act one, the office Christmas party. Every year on Christmas night, I give my nuts a check. I handle them so carefully. All right, everyone, I hope you don't mind. We've got Justin Crockler from Bristopia in today. He's doing a documentary on us. Don't worry, guys, he won't be joining in. This is your time. Not that there's um anything wrong with him. <laughs> <laughs> all right, dickheads, that's strike one. First commandment, no laughter, all right? All right, settle down, Justin. We're just having a bit of fun. Oh, right, yes. Sorry, guys. Okay, Carly, your deal. Okay, we're playing Texas Hold'em. Here's your cards. Let's play. Here's my cards. Oh no. Uh, guess I'll have to take my pants off. But you're wearing a t-shirt. I know. Uh, boxers next, I guess. Uh, then I have to go topless. What a drag. Damn it, Jim. Any excuse to take your pants off? <sighs> okay, let's go again. Oh really? Okay, guys. Shirts coming off. Don't don't laugh. Ah! What guys? What's up? Oh, that's, uh, well, I, I never did decide on a name for it that would make it uh, too real. It's got hairs growing out of its eyeballs. Oh, God, I think I'm going to be sick. Kill me. I hate this guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's rule two broken. I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you and you and you 
to leave. Well, that went well. Okay, let's try again. Got another event tomorrow. Act two, friendship group, stay with us. We just got a call from these guys. Unfortunately, they've decided to cancel. Why? They've realised they've already seen each other naked a bunch of times. Well, how come? Well, the first time they were drunk and went streaking. Okay. And that time they went on holiday and got drunk and jumped in the pool. Of course. And that time they got drunk and were playing strip poker when they were actual teenagers. I suppose that makes sense. They seem to have known each other a long time. I should have really seen this coming. Act 3, The Loving Couple. Stay with us. Again. Okay, this one's definitely going to work. I've known these guys a long time. They've recently got engaged. This is one of our nights where we cater for just two. Candles, romantic music, and... A couple of fat Cubans. Of course, the cigar is the lifeblood of poker. Nothing can go wrong. Okay, here we are on night three of our documentary about Bristol's premiere strip poker event night, Chips and Bits. You know, I've never played poker. Can I have a try? I thought you had concerns with your penis. No, I just didn't know how to play. I was too embarrassed to say anything. What do you mean? You don't know how to play poker. Everyone knows how to play poker. Well, I don't. Sure you do. Everyone does. I don't. Come on, mate. Of course you do. This is Brad. He's Jenny's boyfriend. Yeah, Justin, you must do. And this is Jenny. Brad's girlfriend. Guys, seriously, this is why I didn't say anything. My whole life, I've had to deal with ignorant people refusing to believe that someone doesn't even know how to play poker. My dad, he just never taught me. He he had no arms. That's why I told you I had something wrong with my junk. So you don't? Uh, absolutely not. It just seemed like the easier option. Right, let's play. I'll pick it up as I go along. Okay, Jenny, do you mind if Justin sits in for a round? Go ahead. So I throw a 4-7 on the first hand and fold her pocket eights after the flop on the second. Then I win the pot on the third with trip sixes. I thought you said you never played before. After half an hour, I begin to feel better, calm. I just focus on the cards in front of me. By 11.30, I'm up by 200. Jenny didn't know what hit her, but then she raises me on the river and then re-raises. I make a full house on the turn, she looks at me, and I wonder if she's going to make the straight flush that she waits me out. I'm going to have to call the clock on you, Justin. They were about to call the clock at me. I raised with two seconds to go, but Denji caught another jack on the river. Wow, Justin, you're pretty good at this. It's, it's cool. Beginner's luck. I'd say there's more to you than that. Why, thank you. Now, I'm about two seconds away from beating you. All right, game face. But it seems unfair that I'm the only one that will be taking my clothes off. I'm sure we can work something out there, Jenny. It's at this point in my journey that I begin to understand what Chips and Bits is all about. It's not just another pointless event, dressing up as a classic pastime, as some kind of thing, you know? It's about bringing people together, people that would never have otherwise met, or making a connection with someone you've known for a long time, and if you're even luckier, making a connection with someone you don't know, but that you feel like you have known for a long time. 
The smell of that perfume, it starts to feel like something you recognize, something that makes you think, I like them. Justin, you're sweating. I'm concentrating. Can't handle the heat? Get out of the furnace. You mean the bathroom? Why the bathroom? Because I just took a hot shower and I'm flushed. <gasps> Are they flirting? I literally have no idea. You know when you get that feeling? Like when you find someone. Someone you can really bond with. Someone you can buy ice cream for when it's hot. Or firewood for when it's cold. That kind of unspoken communication, say, when you're both watching X-Files, and she looks at you when Gillian Anderson comes on screen in a particularly tight polyester pantsuit, and she looks at you like, oh, I know what you're thinking. And then you say, oh, you know what? I always thought David Duchovny was the hot one. And she looks at you like she's made a mistake. But then you add, but only when he's wearing jeans. Like that time the FBI fired him and he just sat around all day in casual clothes, looking all smoldering. <laughs> Fox Smolder. Anyway, she totally understands and she takes your hand and looks you dead in the eye and says, I love you. Hey! The thing about Chips and Bits is that it has the power to remove inhibitions, to make you feel comfortable, giving you the confidence to make that move. Look man, I've sat here while you played strip poker with my girlfriend, but you're obviously hitting on her. Oh, Brad, it's fine. It's just a bit of fun. No, no, it's not. This guy hustled us. He said he couldn't play, and now he's just broken the Tenth Commandment. The Tenth Commandment? From the Bible? Wait. You shall not desire your neighbour's house, his field, his manservant, his maidservant, his ox, or his ass. Brad, you pig! Oh, God, it means donkey! You're a donkey. Sometimes you find love in the most bizarre of places. In a smoky room, surrounded by strangers playing cards. Or when you meet up with an old school friend when you're back in your hometown at Christmas. Or when you make a stew and let that special someone sip the broth off of a wooden spoon. And you both turn around and look out the window. And outside, it's snowing. And she goes, Mmm, that's some good broth. This is why Chips and Bits speak to so many people. It brings them together no matter whether you hate your job or you're tired of the same group of friends or your boyfriend's a dick and there's just some super dashing American intern guy waiting to sweep you off your feet. There are ways to move on or to take things to the next level. That's what these guys offer. Not just a game, not just an excuse to take your pants off, but an excuse to be intimate with friends or co-workers and you never know may even find love. Uh, I think you may have split them up, Justin. Shut up, Jane. Okay, that's me done. Back to you, Andy. Jesus Christ, Justin. Those guys were engaged. Alright, well, I guess we're done. Wait, hang on. Where's the credits music? Alright, yeah, there we go. So, that's another episode done. Thanks for listening to Bristopia. Don't forget you can subscribe via iTunes or your chosen podcast app. Just search for us and hit subscribe. For more information, go to chaplainmoustachecomedy.co.uk forward slash Bristopia. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter forward slash Bristopia pod or Facebook forward slash Bristopia. This episode featured myself, Andy Price, but more importantly, it featured Ben Thurston, Tim Goodens, Alice Matthews, Ellen Waddell, Jane Price, Dan Izzard and Luke Sargent. To join the Bristopia fan club, send us stamped self-addressed envelope with a postal order for £17.50 to PO Box 30253 Bristol. Until next time, cheers!
Bootlegs, knockoffs, counterfeit copies Shit that you buy at a broke-ass swap meet Adidas track jacket with a Puma backpack And some Nike Air Max, tell me how does that match? Just cause the stuff is the same color Doesn't mean that you should rock the motherfuckers You obviously loved it cause you bought it But you wasn't thinking what to wear it with Now you're walking around town and it looks embarrassing This ain't a debate about whose clothes are better It's about wearing two things that go together You rock a polo pants and rock a polo sweater It's a shame I gotta tell you you don't know no better You could have the freshest Jordans in a sick throwback But it really doesn't matter if your shit don't match Cuzzo at the wheel, I'm in the passenger seat You about to get arrested by the fashion police Wrapped in all the latest fashion, but You dress like an asshole Girl, you're trendy with that Fendi, but You dress like an asshole You thought your shit was hot, but You dress like an asshole Man, you need to stop, cuz You dress like an asshole Yo, you're too old for that shit, man You, you gotta, gotta stop it. it Shopping at the Hot Topic Like a god kid It's obnoxious Man, I can't watch this It makes me nauseous This cat with his frosted tips That shit's straight up ridiculous. With your armband tat, man You're straight up a dick With your blazer With your rolled up sleeves And your low cut tee It's like, hold up, please We hit the laugh jackpot When your ass got caught Rocking that apricot ascot Man, stop You dress like an asshole What the fuck you wearing such tight pants for? With all them patches on the pockets You never catch us on that rock shit Looking like a broke Bret Michaels When I see these fashion victims Cuzzo gets psycho You dropping hella dollars, but You dress like an asshole You saw it on TV, but You dress like an asshole All your friends got it, but You dress like an asshole Girl, you need to stop, cuz You dress like an asshole Females sworn to the retail stores For the Juicy Couture and the Christian Dior Almost ran me over when they kicked in the door Never seen anything like this shit before Yo, it's crazy the way these ladies will spend All they ends just to look like identical twins Resembling friends with they leathery skin They rock muffin tops and 17 shins Popping tags like a cork on a bottle of champagne All they care about is if the shit is a brand name It's worthless for the purpose of enamoring dudes Cause we don't give a fuck about the brand of your shoes Damn, I'm confused, girl, you got no skill But somehow you can spend thousands of bills On ridiculous outfits, makeup, and purses To look like a clown that escaped from the circus 